Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We're two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Tia Johnston, and I'm joined by my co-host, Meredith Hine. Thanks for tuning in today. We're so glad to have you joining us. I don't know what's going on in Philly with you, Tia, but right now we are having absolutely miserable weather here in Chicago. We had a gorgeous day yesterday. Ruthie and I got to walk by Wrigley Field, and it made me actually miss baseball, which isn't something I ever expected to feel. And that was all to say uh, that we're going to have a really rough transition into (laughs) the first topic of our show today, which is that Major League Baseball and the Players Union are currently in the process of negotiating for what a truncated baseball season could look like in 2020. The league proposed a 50-50 revenue split between the league and players. Um, Obviously, with a shortened season, that would cut pay for players and for pretty much everyone else, which is something that I think we've become used to in our economy right now. One player who was having none of this arrangement, however, was former AL Cy Young winner Blake Stell, who said in a video posted to social media, quote, no, I got to get my money. I'm not playing unless I get mine, okay? And that's just the way it is for me. Like, I'm sorry you guys think differently, but the risk is way the hell higher and the amount of money I'm making is way lower. Why would I think about doing that? End quote. So, Tia, there's obviously a lot to unpack here, from the possibility of reopening sports to the real economic results of shortened seasons to the classic struggle of players versus owners and, obviously, the reality of playing sports in a COVID world. And then there's the cringeworthy reality that is celebrities making videos on social media during COVID. So, Tia, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I understand where Blake is coming from because... I mean, if you look at it from what he's trying to say is the MLB is, in a sense, sacrificing players' health for revenue. But on the other hand, if the MLB doesn't have the money to pay their players because it's a shortened season and there's likely not going to be any fans attending these games, then the alternative is zero games and zero paychecks. So, and I know we kind of touched on this and because I was kind of, being more empathetic towards him. And then we talked before the show and half of his paycheck is still in the tens of millions of dollars. So, I mean, if you look at it from the server who just lost their job because their restaurants closed and they're making nothing and they were living paycheck to paycheck, like, I'm sorry, I can't sympathize with an MLB player. So these are really tough, unprecedented decisions. And I think no matter what the MLB or the NFL or college football powers that be decide, people are going to be upset. It's just going to happen. So if you're asking me my opinion, yes, I want sports. I want to go to a baseball game. I just feel like you're going to ask, if you're going to ask players to risk everything while also paying them less, then there needs to be serious insurance policies and safety protocols and all that put into place. I don't know what that looks like. I am neither an insurance nor a public health expert, but I think that is your only option if you're going to ask players to play this year. And in fact, the MLB did propose changes for safety, which include eliminating spitting and high-fiving Um, from games so (laughs) both moves make a lot of sense and looking back at how things are so different now than even a few months ago it feels shocking that spitting is even a thing that players do now and thus needs to be eliminated (laughs) yeah I totally agree yeah if if spitting could be eliminated forever that would be 
great. I can't tell you how many times I've been like running a marathon and the person in front of me spits and I literally have to like dodge the spit. (laughs) So like at mile like 24, 26. And I'm like, my legs are not built for this buddy. Like, why don't you just like not spit? That would be great. But obviously like it's become very clear how unsanitary spitting is, but it probably wasn't that sanitary even in a non-COVID world. Right. But yeah, I agree that the league, any league, not just Major League Baseball, are going to need to put a lot of rules in place if they want to open back up. Think about like, I mean, just think about football, where by definition, it's a contact sport, like you're touching other yeah. people. Um, or in basketball, where you know you don't have pads and you're kind of like more exposed. Um, and we already saw that COVID kind of ran its way through several NBA franchises. But leagues are going to have to pull put a lot of rules in place in terms of those safety protocols that they want to open up. Um, and honestly, baseball is one of the only sports that makes sense at this time because the players are kind of naturally social distance. It's probably Major League Baseball and the PGA Tour uh, where yeah. people are just, you know, not within six feet of each other to begin with. They rarely touch each other. They don't go near each other during the game except maybe to like talk about pitching changes or whether they're or when they're tagging someone out but overall like a lot of distance and also like I guess the other thing to consider would be the dugout or the bench situation where players might not it might not be as intuitive so does that mean that players are going to be outside of the dugout are they going to have to wear masks within the dugout but like just thinking out loud here but it seems like it's easier to eliminate contact in baseball than it is in football or basketball where the entire sport involves touching. Yeah, so true. And that's even just one issue if you're going to reopen sports. The other thing to consider is oh yeah, the fans. So I have to wonder how these changes will affect the fan experience both in the near term, like are fans going to be allowed back in the stands this season? I feel like socially distancing fans in arenas and stadiums and whatever could work whether it's every two seats and every other row or, you know, whatever. And then long-term, when we do have full stadiums, hopefully next year, will there be a moratorium on throwing chewed-on peanut shells on the ground? Or how will concession stands work in the future? I mean, there's so much to consider and so much that we didn't even think about. And it's just, like, spitting. Like, I mean, it's, it's always been a little bit gross, but, like, all of a sudden, it's something that's a health hazard. Right. That we recognize as a health hazard. And, you know, you consider kind of how I don't want to say how gross sporting events can be, because a lot of stadiums do a really stand up job of making sure that the space is clean, that seats are cleaned off. But like, I'm sure that all of us have been to that minor league hockey game and sat in a seat that's still sticky from someone else's beer that they spilled. Exactly. So whatever they're going to be able to do to fix that is going to be something to consider. And I also think that fans themselves are going to be extra cautious and extra aware, even like a year from now when this is hopefully all over. So the long-term effects will certainly be interesting. So like, you know, are we all going to be bringing our own Purell to, or like (laughs) sanitizing wipes and wiping down our seats, which is, (laughs) again, is something that doesn't seem crazy at all. Like that seems like something I want to do now. Whenever I'm like out in public, consider like even if we'll have concessions in the future, which, you know, sports without concessions is still sports, so it's better than where we're at now. But anyway, that's enough of centering our talk around baseball. <laughs> we got to get back to football after a short ad break, so stay tuned. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So while the football season is still a few months away and there's no certainty in which in what exactly it will look like, we now know one way that at least professional football will be different. And that's the Monday Night Football crew for ESPN. The network announced last week that the crew of Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane were out of the booth crew for its premier NFL game of the week. Um, I have a lot of feelings about this one, so let's jump in. Meredith, what are your thoughts on this? So I will say that when it was the crew of Joe Tessitore, Jason Witten, and Booger McFarland, I stopped watching Monday Night Football. (laughs) And, like, when John Gruden was there, too, like, what a challenge. Like, that was such a struggle to try to get through. Like, I know. Gruden, every other comment, well, he's a football player. Like, yes, he (laughs) is. That is why he's playing in an NFL game. Thank you, John Gruden, for your analysis. And then you have, like, Jason Witten, who was just, like, and we've talked about it on previous shows, like, just because you played the game does not, is not a prerequisite for, like, being a great announcer. But he was so, so bad. And then, like, Booger in the booth this year, like, just, oh. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm sure he's a very nice person, but, like, I just could not deal with the... Yeah, I was almost late to recording because I went down this rabbit hole of YouTube videos of people just roasting him. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's like, oh, if they want to win, then they're going to have to score a touchdown. (laughs) Like, really, Booger? (laughs) How did you come up with that? Yeah. It stinks because I feel like Joe's actually, you know, an outstanding announcer. And I feel like he kind of got the short end of the stick with, you know, his co-host there. But in many ways, I do feel like this is an opportunity for ESPN to start from scratch and like bring in a new crew and kind of rebrand. Because like I said, it's been a it's been a few years since I've been able to like watch Monday Night Football and not want to like chop my ears off from the announcing. Yeah. My personal dream team would be Pat McAfee and Mina Kimes. We need a woman announcer. I know we haven't said this in a while and we used to say it a lot, but she even retweeted someone who like suggested her. So I feel like she's up for it. And it's also what made me think of her. So I just think that duo for one would be hysterical together, but at the same time, really informative. They both make really good points. They offer their own kind of, you know, questionable takes that, but they get you thinking. And that's something that the previous crew did not do. And I know we're about to touch on this, but I think that's what a Monday night football production needs because it is Monday night. And like, if I'm not interested in the teams, I might tune in to hear these two, you know, and their banter. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And especially like, I mean, I, I would absolutely watch Monday Night Football rather than staring at a wall for three hours on a Monday night. <laughs> um, 
But it is coming off of a few days of like very heavy football. You've got football all day Saturday. You've got football all day Sunday. And then you have your like long work day and you're just kind of like brain dead by the end of the day. And you need something that's a little bit more entertaining and a little less, I'm going to call it like formulaic. So what you might get from your average college football game that you're watching for a team that you're actually cheering for. Like, I feel like most people who watch Monday Night Football, like, there's only, you know, one in 16 chance that it's a team that you actually are invested in. So having a crew that can, you know, make this a little bit more interesting for a mass audience is extremely valuable for ESPN. But um, I'm also thinking about, you know, as we're dreaming about what our ideal Monday Night Football situation would be, I'm in central time. And so we still get games that start at 7 p.m. And 15 and that still feels super late to me I make it through the like the first quarter and it's almost eight o'clock and I find myself getting ready for bed granted I'm an old lady but <laughs> <laughs> I mean it would be so great if the games could start a little bit earlier so that we can you know and especially like thinking of a younger generation of fans who might have bedtime by nine o'clock or eight o'clock but as I was researching this, I did learn that before 1997, Monday Night Football used to kick off at 9 p.m. Eastern. Oh, my gosh. Which just sounds terrible. No, I could not do it. Can you imagine being, like, the sports writer, or, like, the radio host who had to, like, watch that game and then be ready to talk about it at, like, 6 a.m. the next day? Ugh. Like, Brutal. like you said, 8 p.m., that, that is too late, let alone 9. I don't think games should start past 7. And oh, yeah. I, I, even like with the last dance, I can't and my husband stays up and watches the whole entire thing. And I am I try. I'm like, this is the night I'm going to and I just can't. So I need to be asleep by nine, like not just in bed asleep. So I feel like the alternative, at least for me, would be to start the game day at 10 a.m. instead of noon and then go from there and maybe make the last game at like six. I just, I feel like we have solved a lot of problems in this episode. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully the MLB and ESPN or the US government listen and get some ideas from yours truly. <laughs> but anyway, that is all we have. So before we break, we have some shout outs, of course. Meredith, wanna go first? Sure. So mine is a work-related shout-out. So I'm actually taking we're, – we're recording this on Thursday. I'm actually taking today off from work. I told my boss I needed a day to stare at a wall for a minute. And just shout-out to, you know, all of the companies out there that are being very flexible. My company actually has, like, a fair PTO policy, which allows, you know – you, you take time when you need it. And uh, I just appreciate companies that are putting their employees, their employees' mental health, physical health, everything, you know, ahead of, you know, the day-to-day -day and making and recognizing that when people are at their best, the company will be able to operate at its best. So thanks, day job. Yeah. Okay. I'll bounce off that um, because I was actually this is going to sound really way worse than it is, but I was furloughed by my day job yesterday. And I am fortunate enough to not really have that affect me. I am not the primary source of income. I am not freaking out or anything like that. So I don't need sympathy, but making me, it's just making me think of people who have more to worry about when this happens to them, especially like a new routine. They have to figure out how to go about their day and stay busy. I am not one that can sit and like paint. Like I am not 
a hobby person, so I need to figure out how to do that. I will obviously pay more attention to this job. That's the other thing. I have another job. I work for land grant, so I will be doing a lot more of that. And it's just a scary world. And shout out to everybody who is furloughed and going through it. And I can't even imagine what you're going through. Anyway, that is all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at Tia Johnston underscore, Meredith at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks. <laughs>